Range Time is a bi-weekly podcast talking about guns, gear, and the shooting lifestyle. Opinions expressed may or may not be those of our parent company, sponsors, or advertisers. It's the Range Time Podcast. All right. All right. So it is the the, uh, the semi-weekly podcast about guns and gear and those who enjoy the shooting lifestyle. Today we have a very special treat that I have been waiting for for a little over a month. Because they kept changing the date on me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's busy. Chief Brown of the Salt Lake City Police Department. Uh, I am so excited to have you here. John, it's a pleasure. Thank it's, you. It's a pleasure on all on this side of the table, man. It's very validating to have somebody of some importance on this uh, on this show. Normally, we just have Officer Ruff over here. Wait, no, no. He's the important guy. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, we weren't even sure he had permission to be here most of the time. No, I've actually been out on some ride-alongs with Mike. I know you have, and I wanted uh, to point it out. The article you wrote? Yeah. That was awesome. Um, you read Seriously, that? I read that, yeah. That was oh a great gosh. post. I mean, the it was a great command staff read Yeah, we, we passed it around the yeah. department oh, yeah. because you, you brought a whole new perspective uh, to what we do. That was really nice. I, I appreciate that. I'm very uncomfortable accepting actual praise, so you'll Good have to forgive me radio. if I'm... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't podcast. get that very often. <laughs> so, no, I, I really just wanted to talk to you guys about uh, the role of, of police in the 21st century. Um, I okay. noticed on. I got to point this out, and I'm going to put. I'm going to put Mike on the spot here. I don't remember who was with us, but we were at uh, the the substation, and uh, which is a 7-Eleven. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and a gentleman came up to us while we were we were in between calls at the moment, and I was kind of sitting there, just kind of uh, uh, learning some things, asking some some everyman cop questions, like, "Hey, what kind of gun do you carry?" <laughs> um, and somebody came up, and, and who was the bigger guy that was with us that night? Officer Sowers. Officer, okay. And he came up, and he was asking Pete? about registering his boat trailer. Uh, he had a boat trailer in a neighborhood nearby, and rather than just say, oh, you can go to the DMV tomorrow morning, he actually left us and followed this gentleman to his house and helped him register his trailer that night. Wow. Now, when you're talking about the downtown area of the capital city of a state in the United States, and to have a, a beat cop go down and do that for somebody at 2 in the morning, that was just incredible. I had never seen anything like that no, before. That's, that's outstanding. That's, I mean, that's service at its best. Is this, uh, is, is this something new with policing? Is this kind of a new approach? No, I don't think so. I think it's an old approach, really, John. Uh, seriously, commu- I mean, community policing started many, many years ago. I mean, clear back in 1829 with Sir Robert Pill. I know Christy would oh like that. <laughs> Name We're dropper. going with Robert Peel. <laughs> but, no, that's what we expect our officers to do. That is, I mean, we're out there to serve the community. And so it doesn't surprise me that Pete would do that. That's the kind of officer he is. So That's, uh, and how do you combat the the image that the police are getting in the 21st century with not everybody's going to hear about that. Not everybody's going to see that. I'll tell as many people as I can. Right, right. But this podcast only reaches so many people, and a lot of the people that don't agree with me aren't going to listen. Well, you know, John, that that's that's a tough narrative because we don't really sing our praises that much. We're, we're, we kind of fly under the radar. It's, it's like the story you wrote about the night you and Mike went out. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of that story, Mike would take no credit for what he, he had done. He basically said, this is my job. This is yeah. what I do. So very, very humbly, that's how we serve this community. So, well, And I think the most important thing is that 
uh, when we do have those one-on-one interactions, those are way more impactful than meeting 50 people in an hour at, at, a, at a community event. So when we take the time and we have that experience and we connect with a, a community member, then they go forward and they tell people and the, the good news spreads. And we just hope that we're continuing to do those grassroots efforts and we get out of the car and we talk to people and we help them out with their registration on their trailer or whatever it is yeah whatever it might be i mean that's what we really pushed for since uh this administration has taken over is getting back to the communities we serve community policing Mm -hmm. um putting officers back to the beat because when i first came on as chief i went out for some ride-alongs and i talked to some of the the officers out there and i said what are we doing tonight and they said chief we're doing the star pattern and i said what is the star pattern i've done this for about 26 years at that time don't know what that I is mike is laughing yeah he's laughing and moving his finger he knew what it was because <laughs> cops are just going call to call to call they're going from rose park to sugar house they're going from the avenues to glendale they're just they're not spending any time in the communities that they should be serving that's community policing. So we've we've rebolstered, we've built up our patrol uh, divisions, uh, and put our officers and our best foot forward in the in, in the communities we serve. And on that coin that I gave you earlier, yes, one right, of our right core here, values is commitment to the community. This is very cool, by the way. He brought me a challenge coin, which I uh, this will be the envy of a lot of my friends right here. <laughs> okay, that's, that's really awesome. He I usually tells that. you it gets you out of a parking ticket, but that's not true. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> One speeding ticket or three parking tickets. <laughs> Let me know if it works. <laughs> wow. So we we reach a wide uh, uh, demographic here, but we also go to different areas of the country. So yep. I know we have listeners in Florida. We have listeners in other countries. How does policing in Salt Lake City, Utah, differ from other states? I mean, other communities here in town even. How do we differ from other other states? Um, I think I think across the country. I mean, let me throw out some stats. Sure. In 1968, there was a Gallup poll that basically said that 68 percent of the Americans had a strong trust in their police department. It it slowly declined until um, nine, 2015, where it was 47 percent. That's a huge drop. Yeah. And so you saw the Ferguson, you saw Baltimore, you saw New York, you saw Chicago, Charlottesville, Charlottesville, yeah. all these things. And so some of that we deserved. I mean, we got very busy. Uh, We got in our cars. We drove call to call to call. Uh, Our cars went through the neighborhood. We kind of abandoned some of our foot patrols and our our community outreach. We kind of forgot that principle of community policing. And so uh, that really was the genesis for law enforcement across the country to refocus on the communities they serve. And that's what we did here in Salt Lake City. We, like I said, we have put our best foot forward in that community arena. Uh, I remember going over to uh, Calvary Baptist Church, and uh, it, uh, the pastor over there is Reverend Pastor Davis. And uh, as a new chief, I went in, can I talk to you, Pastor Davis? And he said, sure. And uh, we sat down, and I said, look, we would really like to connect with uh, your community, the African-American community here in Salt Lake City. Um, <clears throat> uh, what can we do to be better partners? And he in, in, in very, in a, it was a teaching moment for me as a chief. He, le- he looked down over the top of his glasses and he said, Chief, we've been here for 42 years. Where have you been? <laughs> and it's one of those aha moments. Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> you're absolutely right. They've been here all this time. And so why in crisis are we trying to make those relationships? Probably the very worst time that we can be doing that. Yeah. We should be doing this community policing model every day. We should be checking for people's boat, li- boat, boat registrations every day. All those things that make us serve our community better and builds the trust that we're looking for. 
And that seems to that seems to be working. I mean, that yeah. really I I have noticed. And for those listening outside the area, when he says Sugar House to Rose Park, there are, those are two wildly different parts of the city. Yeah, uh, one is Ups considered very high end; the other, not so much. Um, I'll let you guys Google which which is which because I don't want to single anybody out. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, the, the crime seems to gravitate towards certain areas in the city as as they do any any major metropolitan area. Um, And so you guys have uh, a pretty wide coverage map. Right. Where you go up into the the avenues, the letter streets, as we call them, and then all the way down to the Rio Grande District, which is where uh, the famed homeless shelter is, and the Operation Rio Grande is happening with, with the state troopers and stuff like that. So... Do you, I know you have different divisions, but do you have different types of officers in those divisions that handle different kinds of calls, or how do you guys prepare for that? Well, we have, I mean, we have the different units within the police department. We have bike squads, we have motor cops, we have SWAT, we have our, our, our community intelligence unit, all the detective units that any big organization would be would have. But really, it comes down to a mindset of service and commitment to the community, which is one of our our core values. I mean, the things that you you foot stomp in your organization are the things that uh, that uh, really play out on the streets uh, as we do our work. Um, <clears throat> we have we've worked really hard though to to make those relationships not just in like I said we were talking about bad times because you're going to have bad times. Sure, you're going to have to put some uh, some uh, some money in the emotional bank account the, uh, that uh, we may have to call upon. So some of the programs that we have rolled out, we just rolled out a first tee uh, youth golf camp this summer nice yeah we we took 25 young individuals from all parts of the community uh we paired them up with uh police officers and we had a 10-week uh golf lesson so to speak with a golf pro so they got they got nine lessons one hour each with a golf pro to learn the game of golf that's killer yeah so i mean that's that's out of the box thinking but um, can you imagine uh, what some of these these young people walked away uh, with the, the feeling? Maybe they had some fear or some uh, concerns uh, about interacting with cops. But right. after they they had done that for ten weeks, um, I think a lot of them went away with a completely different outlook on on the the officers here in Salt Lake City. Plus, you think you're angry now? Wait till you try golfing. <laughs> oh, that, that that will make you extremely angry. <laughs> Yeah, I say that because I suck at golf, but that's uh, you know give give me a stick and and a whole lot of area to cover. I'm just uh, yeah, that's I need to box it in just a little well, bit. We even the first night we invited all the parents to come and learn about the program, um, which was held at the Glendale Golf Course, and we partnered with the First Tee of Utah to put it on. Um, we supplied the officers, they supplied the golf pros, and the the bags and the balls and the the tees and everything and um we we asked the kids to do a survey really quick just five questions um kind of get a baseline to see how they felt about police officers and one parent was talking to me after and she said she had three kids in the program and two of them were they all answered the way she expected and the third one was like no i i wouldn't talk to a cop and she was like really you wouldn't like she didn't even realize that her her son had picked up this this idea that it wasn't a good idea to yeah. talk to a police officer. So I was like, well, perfect. Let's see how he feels after a few weeks of golf, you know. And and so I saw her on the last day, and they were having a great time and everything. So that's really why we want to have these these interactions is to change change the minds, especially in the youngsters. We had ages seven to seventeen, and we had uh, the whole gamut. Of ages, it was awesome. It was fun. They had a lot of. They had a good time. That's really, really cool. 
So how long have you been a I, – I, I was going to say how long have you been a police officer, but I, I feel like there should be some sort of officer differential. Like, you know, when did you start policing? How about that? 1991. Okay. That, I mean, that doesn't sound like all that long ago, but I guess that means I'm getting old because yeah. that's almost, what, 30 years? I suck at math. How long is that? 28. 28. I was close. 28 years. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Check me out. <laughs> and I'm I'm second generation law enforcement. Is my, that right? My father was a, a county deputy for 30 years and my brother was a, a county deputy. Kind of gets in the family. Here in here in Salt yeah. Lake. Yep, here in That's Salt Lake. outstanding. Yeah. And so here you are, chief of police, Salt Lake City. Are they a little jealous? Uh, a little bit? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> they're okay with it. They come back and yeah, they're like, "Yeah, oh, I worked for the sheriff's department." Yeah, no, yeah chief yeah. of police, buddy. So, but I mean, again, first tee. We did a, a little summer camp for our, our youth, some of the youth from um, the Calvary Baptist Church, uh, some from some of our refugee communities. Uh, the American Tongan Society sent mm-hmm. some of their, the youth over, but we with the Utah Jazz, where we went through and learned some basketball skills. That's cool. So. The bear was sick that day or couldn't make it. He had yeah, something, he, but that would have been fun. But the, <laughs> the jazz dancers were there, so we learned not only how to play basketball, but we had a, one of the rotations was to go dance with, the jazz, dance dance. with the jazz dancers. You can let me tell look you. it up. You can look it up. There's video proof the basketball, of the dancing. The dancing is much harder than the basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. So speaking of dancing, and I know uh, I know Christy is going to is gonna smile at this, but i got to talk about the lip sync video. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. i got to know, is there a tire painted like a donut somewhere? In the police department, there one hundred percent is a tire. There is a tire. <laughs> yes, there is. It was forty dollars worth of spray paint. <laughs> his his executive officer, Lieutenant Robin Hyden, she and her daughter actually went and painted the tire um, the day before and did a phenomenal job. Like it looks like it was professionally. It done. looks like Homer Simpson's yeah. donut. I know. It it was, that's oh, yeah. the whole point. Yeah. So what are we talking? So for those that have haven't seen, if you've been living under a rock, uh, police departments all over the country are doing these lip sync videos and i think it started in ohio or somewhere in the in the midwest but salt lake city did their own and i i thought it was awesome i think you guys were the first in utah to do one i think so i think uh, west jordan yeah. no, no, has no, done no. one no there was orem i think did so yeah. orem did yeah, one some of but we got a mention in the huff post because hey. yeah i was really we got up there with the com- some of the great ones that we saw uh, you guys did a version of Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball, yes, which included an officer uh, riding on a truck tire suspended from the ceiling. Multiple officers. Painted like a donut. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they came to me, John, and they said, hey, we would like to do this. And uh, they said, you know, it's kind of based off, uh, it's not kind of, it's based off, the, like you said, the Miley Cyrus uh, video. And I said, well, I've never seen that. And they says, oh, don't watch that. They said, chief, you cannot watch that. You can't. I said, uh, it's got to be G-rated. They said, oh, trust us, trust us. But uh, so it was. And and, uh, we did that in one day in four hours. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, four hours, one take. We had no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, we had an excellent videographer, a local guy who donated his time to do that for us because um, we had no budget, but we really, really, really wanted to participate. Um, and so, all of the people in the video are police department employees. We even have um, some of our crime lab in it. So we we got from detectives, canines, patrol everywhere. It was uh, a really good showing of our... Mike, I noticed you weren't in it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, why not, Mike? Are you shy? 
He didn't have enough lip gloss. That's probably <laughs> That's fair. I also work in the middle of the night. Yeah. So you were asleep. Probably. <laughs> well, I mean, Tomlinson was there. That's all I'm saying. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> some of those guys, it's like, wow, where did that come from? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that is so it out was... of character for them. And when the, when I think the... the best part, though, is when Sergeant Brandon Shearer and another officer are swinging and it breaks that literally happened, and they did not expect unplanned. that. Unplanned. captured it, it um, on film. Oh, yeah. No, it's unplanned. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, had to put it in slow-mo for the video. Boom. Down. Yeah. <laughs> that looked totally staged. No, no it no, was not. Was totally it was big. not. It was no. not staged. It, it, that, they're heavy. <laughs> <laughs> you get both of them on there, and that's, it broke. But again, um, again, that's another. I mean, that's another avenue of of community outreach. I mean, to really demonstrate that that police officers are they're human too. They're they're yeah. just fun people. We had a great time putting that on. But and we've got a lot of a, a lot of uh, like you're saying a lot of uh, notoriety from it, conferences that I go to. People are saying, "Oh, we love that video, Chief. That was a lot of fun." So we're now uh, 18 minutes into a 30-minute podcast about guns, and we haven't mentioned guns once. But so I'm going to ask you: Are you are you a shooter in your off time? I used to be. Used to be. I used to be on the SWAT team. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was on the SWAT team for a few years. I shouldn't look so. surprised at that. That's probably insane. I know. I before I was the chief, I could actually do real police work. <laughs> <laughs> the scariest thing I face now is paper cups and and sharp staples. Like, so, oh man, the inbox is full again. Yeah. My Gmail box is at fifty six percent. So how long ago were you on the SWAT team? Oh gosh, it's been. Mid '90s through the early 2000s. So there's been a lot of changes on the SWAT since yeah. since oh, that yeah. time. So yeah. what what kind of uh, what kind of weapons did you use back then? Well, I carried a uh, I had the MP5. Okay, the tried and true MP5. Um, I had a Remington shotgun. The, the old 870. Yep, that's a great weapon. Yeah. I mean, a lot of versatility. You could you could carry triple out buck. You could carry slugs. You could carry ferret rounds for gas. Uh, frangible rounds for for locks and hinges. Bean bags. Bean bags back in the day. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the sidearm has always been the Glock. Okay. And uh, and then I graduated on to be a sniper. No kidding. So. Ask him what he shot. That that was going to be my next question. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. What did you shoot? Well, one night, <laughs> there I was. <laughs> <laughs> there I was. And uh, middle of Iraq. Yeah, yeah. We had a uh, we had an accident on a Bangor Highway, and some people were were hurt, which is very sad. But they had three cows that had got out, gotten out onto the highway and caused this problem. You and shot they, a cow? No, I shot three cows. <laughs> <laughs> Is that? Yeah. So, but I, I, it was really odd because I got called by the watch commander and said, "Hey, uh, Brown, you got your sniper rifle?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Go out to this address and help him out." And it's like, "Oh my gosh, really?" And uh, well, I, apparently, we didn't do the proper paperwork following doing that and got in a little bit of trouble but <laughs> the oversight committee didn't yeah. like no the upper brass we really wanted you to a steak dinner what more do you want <laughs> y'all hungry and, and yes, in 2017 you still have to call the sniper because the 223 will not put down a cow yeah i okay. beg to i beg to differ you just need to shoot more uh they did <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. but it was really well okay but it, yeah. yeah anyway <laughs> that's my claim to fame that's a good <laughs> to edit my my response out there <laughs> edit point so that's uh bangor highway is not in salt lake city's jurisdiction right yeah or it is, is it? yeah is it yeah really? we just highway covers it for us yeah oh, okay oh so you probably towards the airport 
Good. We have it from 21st all the way to the end of the airport. Do right. you really? But the cows were in the field just east of. So okay. they were in Salt Lake City jurisdiction at the time. I'll bet that farmer was pissed. No, he was. Well, he was, but he was right there to, <laughs> I mean, he, he was ready to, to collect them. Goodbye, Corny. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I get carried away sometimes. Squirrel. That's uh that that these are some of the stories that people don't don't normally get to hear when they when they think of police work. So no, no. uh the MP five not really used much these no, days. But man, for many, many years. That was uh, Christy's a big fan of the MP five. I like it. Yeah. What, what, the Australians carry it. The the nine millimeter. The so I'm an Air Force reservist. We have a nine. I carry a nine mil for the job that again, I again. Not a fan yeah. of the M9. I not have a, a Springfield thirty out six from World War Two. That is awesome. <laughs> that is it's my bolt grandfather's. Action. Yeah. So that would be a 1901, probably mm-hmm. uh, early World War Two. Mm-hmm. So yep. that, so they used those in World War One and World War Two mm-hmm. before they got the Garand. Yep. That's awesome. Is it functional? Do you still have it? Yeah. It's, um, you know, there's uh, been like one in a thousand that'll blow up if you have the low number serial numbers, and I have a high number, so I'm... So I like those odds. Yeah. So you're, you're safe. So I've shot it one time, but it mostly just sits in my closet. I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I have a 1911 that was actually used in a battle in World War One. It actually wow. has trench art carved into the handle. Wow. And wow. I am scared to death yeah, don't. to put a round through it. Mm-mm. But it's also so tempting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, man, I, I got to gotta shoot off. it just once. <laughs> like, like this thing has seen, seen fired yeah. rounds in anger. But, yeah. you know, I would put a Diet Coke can down at probably 20 yards with this thing. Because <laughs> I, I really, cool. I really, really don't cool. know that I would trust it for anything yeah. more than that. But. My dad has taken it out a few times. He borrows it back for me. He gave it to me for my birthday a couple years ago. And he borrows it That's back cool. to take it out shooting. We went out shooting for Father's Day and we took it. So you got an old Salt Lake City gun, too. That's right, I do. I forgot to mention that. Really? Yeah, so I have a, uh, I have a revolver. It's a thirty-eight revolver that was used for the Salt Lake City Police Department from 1976 to 1981. Oh. Uh, and then it was leased to a armored car company uh, in Arizona. And then it was brought back to Salt Lake City where it sat in a box since 1986. Wow. So, And I picked it up for like 100 bucks. Wow. So, And I'll be damned. That thing was awesome. Mike shot it just the other day. And we were wow. expecting it to kind of have a kick to it, like a little bit of a punch. But no, it was, it was actually no, it was quite a good gun. I mean, believe it or not, that is the gun that I was issued in 1991. A you revolver. were issued a revolver in <laughs> yeah. 1991. Yeah. Now, you had the option to go get your own semi-automatic. So I remember being out on the range with my little revolver and uh, trying to compete with these semi-automatics. Is like, yeah, this is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, I came back with my Glock. So these are like early '90s, late '80s. That's the days of when when the Beretta M9, yeah. you know, John McClane mm-hmm. and Martin Riggs really started making the automatics popular. So right. I'll bet I'll bet you got a lot of crap for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's still a good gun. If you Very go back and watch a lot of, uh, like, you watch a lot of training videos, there's a whole bunch on YouTube. Like, if you go back and watch police training videos from, like, the 1960s and 1970s, you will laugh your ass off because the stances that they use, the reloading tactics, they're just, they're almost clumsy looking by today's standards. Right. I haven't looked at any from the 1990s, but how has training changed since you became a police officer? Well, it's it's changed great. It's changed quite a bit. I mean, I remember we used to do the, uh, 
uh, what was it? The isosceles, the modified isosceles right. stance, and uh, after th- that changed in about uh, the late nineties to uh, to the weaver stance. Oh no, we used to do a weaver. Do oh you used to yeah, do a weaver. we used to do a weaver, the modified weaver. Right, right, right. Um, and then then you went to the uh, more of a reactionary isosceles type draw. Gotcha. Um, that that was what we learned in in SWAT training. The uh, for we've talked about the weaver stance before. Which Weaver, the guy that it's named after, like he had a screwy shoulder or something like that. Yeah, yeah. he happened to be a professional shooter, and so everybody kind of picked up on this thing, <laughs> and it be it became the the it was a fad for like thirty years. Yeah, all of a sudden, we had a we went to some training. I remember it was a, a gentleman from the original Delta Force that came in and taught us, and uh, he put us on video, and we put cotton balls in our thirty eights because that was before we had sim rounds. <laughs> and we did we did some of these room clearing exercises where people would jump out, and uh, we had all been taught the modified weaver for years and years mm-hmm. and years. When we were startled and under fire, guess what we we went to? Whatever we could. Right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have time to go. Let me get in this really cool position. It just didn't work. You just kind of close your eyes and point in their general yeah, yeah. direction. And so yeah, it, it's changed. Scream! Ah, please, <laughs> not the face! Not the face! I kid, of course. No, no. That's, that's not how you do it. That's, that's not how, how I do it at all. <laughs> I'm not a police officer. That's how I do it. So. He's a firefighter. I am a I, Well, kind of. I was a, I was a firefighter <laughs> before I was a cop. I'm a volunteer firefighter. So my very Did you have first, to like pass a PT test? I did. Oh, okay. It's funny. We mentioned this last time, and we never told the story. So I show up to do a PT test, and I didn't, I didn't know that it was a PT test. So I show up to do a test. Oh. And I thought it was like a written test. Like in so, jeans? Yeah, I showed up in shorts uh, and like Converse Chuck Taylor shoes <laughs> and a bottle of Diet Coke in my hand because I drink Diet Coke like it's oxygen. And I show up and there's there's a guy there and he's like, he's like, where's your gear? And I'm like, I haven't, I just thought he was talking about my turnouts. I'm like, I haven't been issued mine yet. And he's like, no, 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 your PT, your PT gear. I'm like, I, <laughs> you're looking at it. I, I, I'm wearing it. And he's like, all right, where's your water? And I'm like, water's for, I'll save the word, sir. You know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll reserve my language because I was kind of thrown off. I'm like, water's for sissies, sir. And he's like, good luck. So I managed to, I managed to, to pass. Uh, it wasn't good. that hard. <laughs> I struggled. <laughs> I struggled through it. Luckily, push-ups, I can rest in the up position a couple of times. But... Uh, I passed, and then you know, before you know it, uh, I'm out fighting fires off of the uh, the 201 freeway in the middle of the night. Like, apparently there was no one else to go, and they're like, <laughs> they threw me the keys to the truck, and they're like, go put the fire out. And there you go. So I show up, and I'm like, okay, what do I do? And literally, the guy the guy looks at me, and he's a a, a state wildland firefighter, like a hotshot, and he looks at me, and he goes, point that at the fire, and he, you know, grabs yeah. grabs the hose, and I'm like. Do I use a certain store, sort of stance or anything? He's like, yeah, get the fire wet. <laughs> use the modified weaver. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I shoot guns, man. I don't know. And when I, I told Mike uh, that I had joined the dark side, because I know that there's the friendly rivalry between police and mm-hmm. fire, and he's like, I don't like fire. It, I, I can't shoot it. <laughs> That's pretty much the text I got back from him. It's also very hot. It's hot. I can't shoot it. But it's it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah. I have uh, I, I've enjoyed my foray into public service. So, uh, Chief Brown, I appreciate you coming in, uh, taking the time to talk with us today. No, Chris Judd, John. the public information officer for Salt Lake City Police Department. I don't know if we gave you a proper introduction. 
We'll go back and edit one in. Okay. So it'll be like, please welcome Christine Judd <laughs> from the Salt Lake City Police Department, <laughs> Mr. Black. Uh, no, I, I super appreciate you guys coming in yeah. and sharing some cool stories with us today. No, uh, for more info on the Salt Lake City Police Department, the website is slcpd.com. And you should follow them on their social media accounts, which are at slcpd. Well, thank you guys very much, and uh, we'll follow you on Instagram. We'll check out your website, and then uh, hopefully, uh, when I get pulled over, uh, I can drop your name and get out of a ticket. <laughs> good, good luck with that. <laughs> hey, uh, John, thank you. Until next time. Ready? And...